It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by rockauto.com. And on today's show, I'm going to be joined by Madison Morris of 107.7 The Franchise and the OKC82 Podcast to talk all about the NBA restart in Orlando. Madison, what's your favorite Disney movie? My favorite Disney movie? Oh, man. Um, so many, but... Um... I, I don't even know if it's considered Disney, but it's by Pixar. I'm so into that movie Brave right now, like the girl who shoots the bow and arrows. Like that's one of my absolute favorites. I watch it all the time on Disney Plus. But if you're talking like old school Disney, it's definitely going to be um, Snow White because everyone used to call me Snow White in college. And so that's forever my favorite. Those are good choices. And we're finally going to have basketball back today. So that's exciting as well. Very exciting. I am, I've been looking forward to this since the shutdown at the beginning of March. So this is such like a long time coming. This is an exciting part of, you know, seeing a little bit of normalcy come back in. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's finally here. All the anticipation is paid off and, you know, all the hard work from the players is paid off. And so we'll see what, see what happens starting Friday for the Thunder, especially. And it'll be an exciting time for sure. And so We've not seen any positive tests within the bubble for the Oklahoma City Thunder or the NBA in general uh, since the July 13th testing period. How confident are you that this bubble will go off without a hitch and then we will crown a champion in October on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, you know, honestly, I'm at about a 7 right now, so I am still pretty confident. But at the same time, I have my reservations because there's been so many different stories come out about you know, guys having to leave for family obligations, which no knock on that whatsoever. I completely respect it. It's just, you know, part of life and it's inevitable. Things are going to come up and you're going to have to take care of it. Um, but there's also just been little stories come out about different guys uh, getting sick and then having to leave and then coming back, you know, obviously that just throws off uh, the rhythm of everything. And then you have a couple of key players here and there who don't necessarily follow the rules, not going to name drop, but it's, uh, you know, everything is kind of still up in the air. I am pretty confident because they've done such a great job so far. And that's always very refreshing to hear that this plan that's been in play for months now, it's actually working. So that's very exciting. And um, yeah, I still have a lot of confidence in it. I'm really excited to see what does come from it. And especially for the Thunder, they seem very cohesive. They seem very uh, responsive and willing to take on everything that needs to happen to make this work. So that's, that's a really good sign, and I'm excited to see what comes out of it. So the Thunder are going to get their scrimmage schedule underway tonight. And what are you looking for at these scrimmages? I know that uh, it's basically going to just be preseason, and Billy Donovan's talked about the minute restrictions, and even this first game is only going to be 10-minute quarters. Are there anything specifically that you're going to watch for in these three scrimmages? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's only so much that you can take from a scrimmage, but that's kind of in the past now. These scrimmages, I feel like a lot more is riding on them than, say, like a preseason game. If, it, if you know, the world was totally normal and everything – uh, COVID related had never occurred. So yeah, I think people look at these scrimmages and they're like, well, how much can you take from these? I personally am going to take a lot because they have done a lot of preparation. Billy Donovan said this morning on the Zoom chat that, uh, that their practices, they've been intense. All the work has been intense since they arrived in Orlando and for good reason. They want to get these guys feeling better about themselves. They want to get their bodies back to being very uh, strong and very, you know, capable of having the utmost agility up out in court. And so, you know, they're trying to get their legs back underneath them, put the fire back under their feet, and they're doing a great job doing that. So specific things I'm looking forward to with these scrimmages is just, you know, how well can they put together a team effort out there? How well can they feed off of each other? 
obviously the Thunder specifically were doing a great job in March. They were on, you know, a pretty good stretch of basketball right there, but it all just got taken away from them, of course, with the shutdown of the NBA. So there's a lot I'm looking forward to specific players like Terrence Ferguson and Darius Baisley. I'm really eager to see, you know, just how much they've matured, how much they've developed and uh, just the knowledge that they've taken and they're going to apply it into this restart. I'm excited to see how Shea Gilgis Alexander and Chris Paul can be leaders out on the court. Obviously there's a huge age difference. Shea's only in his second year. Chris Paul is a very well seasoned vet. So, you know, there's, there's going to be differences here and there and, I really do think the Thunder have been one of the most complete teams that I've watched throughout the season. And so I think that they can carry that over. And I want to see that come to life back on the court, make sure everyone's healthy, make sure everyone feels confident about what they're doing. And uh, we'll see how they can put together even a little scrimmage, even on time restrictions and just what they can do out there, different groups of guys working together. It'll be really fun to see. So the biggest health concern right now for the Thunder is Andre Robertson, and how confident are you, one, that he plays, and then what are you expecting from him if he does play? Yeah, um, I'm pretty confident that we'll see him play. Billy Donovan has said that he's participated pretty much every single day, and that's really, really exciting if you're a Thunder fan out there. You want to hear that Robertson is participating. I think it was a big hoorah moment when we all saw he was actually going to be going down to Orlando, and, you know, that's just the first little step. It was – A lot about a mental block for him there for a minute. He had to go off to California just to clear his head, kind of be away from all the hustle and bustle of Oklahoma City, because I'm sure if he took two steps out of his door, people were like, well, how are you feeling? Like, what's going on? How how are you going to do this? And I think it was good for him to have that moment to just step away. And now he's in Orlando. He's been participating. All the guys have said that he's shooting the best that they've seen him. He's playing really sound defense. He's been active. He has pretty much participated in all of, you know, the pretty contact practices and even the non-contact ones. And that's just reassuring. You want to see a guy who suffered something like him and who has been out for so long. You want to see him participating. You want to hear that he's making good progress and he's fitting back in with those guys. And so that's exactly what Robertson's been doing. And if he does get out there and play, obviously in the scrimmages, I fully expect him to. Of course, we haven't been told specifically if he will or not which we don't expect to know that until Friday so if he does get out there and he plays I think it'll be great it'll be amazing to see him playing the game again playing uh, with the Thunder guys again just having that Thunder jersey on him again it'll be refreshing and so I really do wish him the best and I hope that he does have an opportunity to get out there and showcase what he's capable of. So shifting into these eight seeding games and doing this podcast every day, this is a topic that's been thrown at me on Twitter and, and everywhere else about how do you handle these eight seeding games? And, and the two sides of this are go for the highest seed or try to get your pick back. And I'm making you the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. So congratulations awesome. on that first and foremost. Thank but you so much. I personally do not have a strong take on this. I think that the most important thing inside these eight games, since you've already clinched the postseason, has nothing to do with the scoreboard or the wins and losses. It has everything to do with getting your chemistry back and getting back into game shape. Uh, But how would you go about uh, this restart in these eight games? Would you try to get the highest seed? Would you try to tank? Or how are you feeling? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No, no, I mean, you make a really good point with right now, the Thunder, they pretty much established themselves leading up to March. They did a great job during the regular season, showcasing what they're capable of, exceeding all the expectations. That was the first step for them, and they were able to conquer that. So now I think going into this restart, the biggest thing to do is to keep guys healthy because the last thing on earth this Thunder team wants is to really make a run and go for what they're after, and then Steven Adams gets hurt, or, you know, God forbid Chris Paul goes down with an injury, and Shea Gilgis Alexander goes down, and then Dennis Schroeder leaves the bubble for the birth of his second child, and so, like, who steps up? 
you know, you want to make sure these guys, they feel confident in the actions that they're about to take. You want to keep them healthy. You want to keep them strong. And I, I don't think that, and I don't want to talk for Billy Donovan, but right now I'm, I'm the coach. So I'll talk for myself. <laughs> I think the best thing to do is exactly what they've been saying the past couple of days. They are going to put minute restrictions on these guys. They're not going to force them to get out there and, you know, perform to their highest capability right off the bat, you know, ease yourself back in, get back into the swing of basketball. They haven't had any kind of contact like this in what, like four months. And I know that doesn't seem like a long time, but for guys who are playing basketball pretty much year round for a living, they have million dollar contracts. This is their life being off for four months and contained inside a house that can, that can do a lot to their wear and tear. And, you know, they want to keep their body strong. So I think the best thing to do is, yeah, don't go out there and just try to, I don't know, have a, I don't even know, a 60 point first half. Like, don't, don't worry about stuff like that. Make sure that you're playing pretty sound basketball, get your cohesiveness back, really feed off of the guys that you're sharing the court with and make sure that, you know, you have that on court chemistry with your team. That's what's going to take you places because listen, I, I am definitely not knocking on anybody specific, but I think Thunder fans have seen in the past what happens if the team court chemistry is not there, like all of that stuff. You have to have that. You have to be able to uh, communicate with those guys verbally, you know, trust them, find confidence in them. And I think guys like Chris Paul, Shagels Alexander, they're pretty much leaders of this team, even guys like Steven Adams. And, you know, Danilo Gallinari has always talked about how important communication is out on the court. And so if you, you have that with your team, you're going to go places. So, yeah, definitely just develop that stuff, get it back to where it's going. Um, I believe Nerland Noel even said today that has not wavered at all since March. That's one thing he's been so impressed with coming back to Orlando and you know, reuniting with his guys is that they still have that team chemistry. They're still able to really talk to each other and like understand each other when they're out there playing. And that's something that makes the Thunder team super unique. So for sure, just get that back going, uh, test the waters a little bit, do some fun things out there, but make sure that you're playing smart and sound basketball because that will, that's what will carry them some places. So you touched on this a little bit and this long layoff has been longer than each of the last three off seasons. By the time we start playing, you know, regular basketball again, how do you view this restart for Shea? Uh, because I think that he, he said that he's been playing basketball this entire time uh, for the most mm-hmm. part in, in quarantine. I think that with this layoff, a, a young guy like Shea, who's been keeping in shape, who's been you know, keeping up with his basketball routines and things like that, we could see a preview into what year three Shea could be. And year three is when a lot of guys take that next step. Oh my gosh, for sure. And so I want to say it was yesterday, Billy Donovan got on and he was like, you know, Shagels Alexander, he was able to work his way up into the starting lineup for the Clippers last season. He maybe played like 18, 19 minutes and he really, you know, was able to showcase what he's capable of doing. What's been the biggest topic that guys have brought up and even just fans in general with Shagels Alexander? He's a unique player. He uses his craftiness. He uses his skills. I believe it was Abdul Nader yesterday. He said, you see these basketball players getting out there and they're just constantly pulling up from three. They're constantly trying to drive to the lane and make these ridiculous shots when you have like two or three guys open on the wing. You see guys trying to dunk it all the time and be the superstar. That's not what Shagildas Alexander is. You know, he's crafty. He's smart. He utilizes his teammates. He has great court vision and sees what he wants and he goes to get it. So, I mean, you can see so much development already. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of Clippers games last year. I'll be the first to admit that. So, you know, when he came to Oklahoma City, I knew that he was a great basketball player. I knew that he had, you know, obviously made some noise over in Los Angeles, but he just really blew me out of the water when he came to Oklahoma City, playing about 34 minutes a game, worked his way up. Uh, He was starting and just, you know, he was just a sound basketball player, a really good guy that uh, people got excited about here. And so that was really awesome to see. And so. Yeah, I believe people were talking about it uh, yesterday on the Zoom call that Shagels Alexander, he has so many opportunities during this restart to show that he has matured, that he's become more physical, that he's become stronger, that he's still as skillful as he was before, but like upped it a little bit more than that. Like 
this has been such a learning opportunity for these young players. And that's always been the story I've taken from this bubble is just who's going to emerge as a superstar from this. You know, it might be someone we don't necessarily expect, but I think a lot of Thunder fans are looking at Shakeups Alexander and saying, this guy's so unique. He's so exciting to watch. And that's exactly what he's going to be with this restart. So shifting into that postseason where a lot of stars are born, if, if you had to guess, and there's, there's, no, there's no algorithm to put out there to figure out who's going to be good in this unique environment that none of us have ever seen before in a global pandemic. But if you had to guess, who benefits most in a postseason that features no travel, no fans, uh, none of that added pressure from those fans, and, and you know, you're away from your families? Who benefits most in this postseason, young players or veterans? Ooh, you know, I want to say veterans, honestly. That's a really good question. I, w- I really think that young players, they can benefit from it. But, you know, like Terrence Ferguson, what he made that comment. It was either last season or two seasons ago, like his first season in Oklahoma City. He said that one of his best games was there in the Staples Center against the Lakers. And what did he say? He said it was because there was so much hype. There's so much adrenaline that goes into playing in the Staples Center. And so he had to show out. I think for younger players, they really thrive off of, you know, the fans' energy and they thrive off of all the excitement that comes with a super loud and packed arena and all of that good stuff. And so not saying that their performances are going to plummet because there's no fans in the stands, but I really do think that these vets can benefit from it because, you know, they've they've been through the hoorah. They've had all of their fun, flashy moments. Even guys like Steven Adams, he just turned 27, but I consider him a very seasoned vet just because he's been in the league for so long. And, you know, he's, he's not the flashiest dude. He doesn't care about that stuff. And he just wants to play basketball. And he tells, he tells us that all the time. You know, I just, I just want to play the game. I don't care if it's televised. I don't care if, you know, it's marketed super well. I don't care if there's like a million fans in the stands. I just want to play basketball. And I, I can't really speak for these guys, but I'm sure guys like Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, and uh, I don't know, even Nerlens Noel sometimes, I feel like they can just play the game of basketball. They can take it super seriously. They can, you know, hear each other and communicate with each other a little bit more. And I think they really just want to go out there and win. They want to be successful. They want to bring attention to the team. I don't think they necessarily need a million screaming people to you know give them that kind of energy and all of that adrenaline I think they're so capable of just playing basketball so you know I I'm gonna say the vets for sure because they've been through it they they don't want to get out there they have so much hunger to just be successful in this league especially guys like Chris Paul who's been in it for so long and you know the guy he wants to bring a lot of attention to the thunder right now because he's yeah, I mean, I hope he feels this way. This is just what I've observed. He seems very proud to be here. He seems very passionate about the organization and the guys that he gets to play basketball with. And he just loves the sport. And so I think it's that's the kind of guys you want to see have success. And, you know, I just – I think that'll be great for them. Even with no fans, I think they can play great basketball. And I think it'll I think it'll be great. That's an angle I haven't really heard before on this topic is – the fact that these veterans, they understand what a big moment is. They understand when it's time to buckle down and play postseason basketball. And the young guys maybe don't get that feeling and that sense of urgency until you have the crowd and until you have the added pressure of that and the crowd gets excited and they're exploding in the middle of the third quarter and you realize that, okay, wait, the Clippers on a 5-0 run. We've got to put this to an end right now. And I think that's a good point that the veterans are more aware of their surroundings and aware of big moments because they have been in big moments before. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, especially, especially if you look at some of the vets on this Thunder team, even on Robertson, like I keep saying if he comes back, I so badly just want to say when he comes back because I'm so confident that he will. But obviously we haven't been given the concrete information. So I'll go ahead and say if. But if Andre Robertson comes back, he's still a vet. You know, he was pretty much – he started everything with Steven Adams, and they've just been – you know, they've been on this Thunder team the whole time, even with Robertson out for about two years without injury. You know, he's still a vet. He's still kind of gone through all the glamorous stuff. And, you know, you want – you just want guys like that and like Steven and especially like Chris Paul. You want to see them find success and play that basketball. So – I thought you had a really good point when you said, you know, they know their surroundings. They know what's on the line. They know what they're playing for. 
I don't, I don't think, you know, you could put a couple thousand fans in the stands or you could have just the security standing in the hallway. Like that's still something to play for and it's still important to them. So I think these guys who are a little bit older, who've been in the league more and they understand that. And so, yeah, I really think vets can benefit from this because they just, they get to do what they've been doing and that's just to play basketball. So we're going to take a break from our postseason coverage, just like the NBA will do. And let's do some NBA awards real quick. Just only looking at the Thunder awesome. perspective of this. Okay. Do you think Dennis Schroeder is the sixth man of the year? I do. Yeah. And I don't want people to think, okay, Madison's so biased. But here's the thing. I know that there are some great six men out there. Wow. I just sounded really hick when I said that. Some great six men out there. Like, I totally am aware of that. And I think, especially like the Clippers, they have a couple of great guys. Um, there's just, there's some really sound basketball players throughout the league. But here's the thing. Dennis Schroeder is so unique in my eyes because he he comes out obviously as a point guard and he is so he reminds me a lot of Shea because he's just really crafty he's super smart he can pull up from three super easily and I think he just plays very valiant basketball you know he's completely fearless when he gets out there and he's such a leader who is like he's so good about just stepping up when he's called upon he's like okay like I have no hesitations I'm going to talk to these guys like if Chris Paul was out there talking to him, you know, he knows his role because that's the biggest thing that I think sets him apart. Like he's okay with coming off the bench. He just wants to win. He just wants to contribute. He wants to have a part in the Thunder success. And so that's, you know, that's just why I think Dennis Schroeder is such a great six man of the year candidate who should in my eyes be the winner of that because his willingness to contribute off the bench his willingness to, you know, I don't want to say take a back seat to Shay and Chris, but just to learn from them and to gain all of that knowledge. But when he comes out, he's so, you know, ready to go. He's so smart and quick on his feet. And so, yeah, he is just, he's definitely the sixth man of the year in my eyes. And does Chris Paul finish in the top five of MVP voting? If you had a vote, would you put him top five? Um, you know, I will say this, no, but I think he would be, you know, close to getting into the top five. He's such a great leader. I think that people look at the MVP race and they're like, okay, who has the most points? Who scores the most on crunch time? You know, who has the most rebounds? Who does it all? Who's super well-rounded at skills? I think people forget to look and see, Who's the greatest leader? Who's been able to overcome obstacles throughout the season? Who has, you know, pulled their team out of the gutters at different times? And not saying the Thunder have ever been in the gutter, but I mean, Ryland, you can attest to this. At the beginning of the season, nobody had confidence in this Thunder team. Why? There was no Paul George, no Russell Westbrook. There was, you know, no real superstar on the Thunder anymore. And I think a lot of people were like, okay, well, Chris Paul is just a walking injury. Like, why, why did the Thunder trade for him? Like, this is just going to be a nightmare. And then all of a sudden, you see the emergence of Chris Paul, of Shea Gildas Alexander. Danilo Gallinari is exactly what the Thunder have needed, a consistent shooter. And so I'm just like, well, you can't look at the Thunder and think, oh, they created this super great team, but, uh, you know, that – that just was a coincidence. No, it, it comes from leadership. It comes a lot from Billy Donovan. It comes a lot from guys like Chris Paul and Shea and even Steven Adams, who has been there for a while. It comes from everybody. And it's just such a, excuse me, a well-rounded team thing. So yeah, Chris Paul, I think he, he could have the potential of getting into the top five of the MVP. In all reality, I don't think he would be able to, but he, you know, I've always thought that he, deserve that nod, deserve that recognition to at least be talked about it. So I think that you're right. He's right on the cusp. And the reason that I push him over into that top five is because the MVP isn't really about the MVP. It's not most valuable player. It's about narratives and storylines. That's why LeBron James hasn't won more MVPs than he has in his career. And to go from when the trade happens, why on earth would you take on this unmovable contract in CP3? Why would you do that? Uh, preseason happens they have a 0.2 percent chance to make the postseason uh, and Chris Paul is a guy that he knows he's on his last leg in the NBA although he's performing super well this year and obviously in the top five of MVP uh, but uh, he's up there in age and he's soon going to be 
uh, falling off in the NBA. And he could have made a stink about being in Oklahoma City, being in a small market with a team that's not going to win a finals or not going to win a championship this year. And he didn't. He embraced the young guys. He embraced the small market. And he's done everything right to this point. And if they get to play that Utah game, I think they're a top four seed and they'll get to play it on August 1st. But he did everything that you could do for this Thunder team and you get down to that five spot. I mean, has Jokic done a lot more than Chris Paul? I and mean, you, you look and there's, you're running out of spots here once you get the five to not include Chris Paul. And I do think that the MVP is not necessarily best player. It's best narrative. And I think mm-hmm. that Chris Paul has it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the story of Chris Paul coming from Houston, where I don't want to say he was a problem by any means, but, you know, they had their issues for sure. And I think a lot of people lost confidence in Chris Paul as a player, as a teammate, as someone in the locker room. And, you know, that sucks because I think Thunder fans have been so fortunate to see him come into Oklahoma City and be excited to be here, excited to play. He is formed bonds and friendships with the guys you see him you know playing silly little games with Darius Baisley who is so much younger than him you know Chris Paul is not one of those players that's super standoffish and he doesn't participate in community events and anything like that you know he's always trying to put his hand in different things here in Oklahoma City he is always super responsive he's super personal like if you talk to him And, you know, these guys, I've never heard any of them kind of like "Mm," raise their eyebrows at him at anything. You know, they're super, super um, receptive to him. And they they really like who he is as a person, as a player, as a teammate. And, you know, honestly, I, I love the story surrounding Chris Paul of just how good of a person I really do think he is. And just, you know, like you said, he is at the end of his career pretty much. And I'm not saying like, oh, get out of the NBA, you're old. But, you know, he is in all reality. And so, yeah, I just I want to see him have success and I want to see him, you know, be remembered the way that I think he deserves to be remembered. Yeah, And when that trade happened, I'll be the first to admit that when the initial Woj tweet came by, I thought that Chris Paul was going to make a huge fuss about this. You mentioned some troubles in Houston. You also had some troubles with the Clippers. I thought there's no way he's going to silently reside to being in a small market with a team not expected to even make the playoffs. And if you remember at that time, we thought maybe there can be an eight seed and he all of a sudden drags them to that four seed. So for me Mm -hmm. with the narrative involved in this, he is top five, but there's another Thunder award left before you get back into the postseason, and that's coach of the year. Personally, I still have Nick Nurse. I think he's the best coach in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And the narrative around him has not worn off yet. We haven't gotten tired of Nick Nurse yet. He's now done it without Kawhi. I think that Billy Donovan is a very, very close second. But is he your number one? Um, You know, Billy Donovan, my my whole feelings about the coach of the year with Billy is that I think he deserves all the talk and the accolades just because he's done such a tremendous job at what he does. And I think people forget – that this guy has coached Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, it's just, there's so much that he's done and like in the most respectful way possible, there was so much ego on one team and Billy Donovan was able to, you know, carry that and actually do his job and work with that. And I know that there were times Billy Donovan was kind of looked down upon by the fan base saying that, Oh, well, Russell Westbrook, Uh, controls this team and like Billy Donovan's not doing his job and not getting out there and listen I think that Billy has handled everything with ease and with all the circumstances of the start of this past season and no Russell Westbrook no Paul George people being so iffy about this Thunder team and exactly what you said they finished in the fourth seat of the Western Conference like that's not easy and I think that has so much to do with coaching because it's not just about you know, having the right lineups out there and calling the right plays. It's about what you do behind closed doors to get these guys excited to play basketball and to work together. And that's what Billy did. You know, he has a great coaching staff. If you talk to him in person, he's so just, you know, like he'll look at you in your eye and he'll answer and he'll talk and he'll give you answers. And, you know, I think he's like that with his team as well. He listens to them, but he also is you know, personal with them. They want to play basketball for him. And when you have a coach that you don't want to play basketball for, then, you know, it's not going to be a successful team, team sport. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm so big on Billy Donovan. I don't necessarily think that he would 
be given the award for coach of the year this year, but I want, I want people to talk about him in that scenario. I want people to recognize everything he was able to accomplish because it's so much more than what they got to see on the court. And it's just, it's very significant in the success of the Thunder franchise. So going back to the postseason, and let's make a big assumption here in saying that Dennis Schroeder is not going to miss any postseason action. So I think that we all know what happens to this team if he does miss the postseason or any mm-hmm. amount of this postseason. How far can this team go? Because I think that they are a second-round lock. I think that they're better than Utah. I think they're better than Houston. I think that they're better mm-hmm. than Denver. I think Denver gets a lot of love for what they do in the regular season. But we saw last year that a terrible Spurs team took them to seven yeah. games. And then Portland, who – Thunder fans were over the moon about drawing in the, in the first round. Didn't end up working out for us either. But Portland beats them in seven games. I, I think that they're better than all of their possible first-round matchups. And then if they somehow get to Dallas, Dallas is a ridiculously bad clutch team, historically bad, just as yeah. the Thunder are historically great. I think with Dennis, this is a lock for a second-round uh, you know, team. What do you view this Thunder team as moving into the postseason? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that the Thunder, they've obviously had their struggles in the postseason. And I think it just came down to, you know, keeping a good cohesiveness about the team. You know, it has to be team-wide. You can't have a couple of guys working really well on the court together. Okay, one goes goes to sit down, another comes in, and then it just all goes to crap. Like, I think the Thunder have had those struggles in the past. And you know what? This is a whole new team. It's whole new faces. There's so much more to work for. I really do think they can easily get out of the first round this season. And there's, you know, there's a lot on the line for it. I think there's so much importance and significance to what they're doing. And I loved what Shea Gildas Alexander had to say on the Zoom call today because he said, you know, we're so hungry and ready for this matchup. But not just because, you know, we're playing basketball, but it's because of everything that we've had to work through and to overcome to get to this point. You know, there's you, there's guys who had to leave their families. There's guys who had to, you know, just leave their life behind. Basically, all of them did. And so there is so much to work for. There's so much to compete for. And I think there's a lot of um, eagerness out there rather than anxiousness. And so... Yeah, I I see them getting out of the first round. I think they are better than Utah. I think, if anything, they had just come off that huge win at Boston, and they were going to really bring it against that Utah team on March March 11th. And so, yeah, I I really do think that they have the knit and the grit to get through it, and I'm excited to see what they can do in the postseason because I know – I know it can be great, and they might prove me wrong, and I might be laughing at myself here in a couple weeks, but – you never know. I have full confidence that they can do something in the postseason, even if it's not, you know, go all the way to the Western Conference Finals or make it to the finals, whatever they're going to do. I think that it's going to be extraordinary and it's going to differ from past seasons. So after getting out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left, do you think Chris Paul is on this team game one of next year? Ooh. Um, I do not know. And I will elaborate on that by saying I think that he really loves being in Oklahoma City. I think he loves the team that he has right now. I think he loves um, basically getting to step into the shoes that he stepped into, which is, you know, people were anticipating him to do something not so great, and he was able to prove them wrong. I think that he's done such a great job keeping these guys super close-knit, and I I don't, I don't know. I think he enjoys that role here in Oklahoma City because he understands he's appreciated and he knows that he has a lot to fight for because, like we've been saying, he's kind of towards the end of his career and he wants to fight for that. At the same time, like we just said, he is at the end of his career. I don't know if he is really, really fighting for a ring right now or if he's just fighting to be important to a franchise just to go out with that kind of legacy leaving behind so 
I don't know. I would love to see Chris Paul still be here. There's no telling what Sam Presti and the front office are going to do. Um, there's so much craftiness up their sleeves, and I feel like they never cease to amaze people of what they're able to pull off. But, you know, regardless, I've really appreciated everything that Chris Paul's done for the franchise because, you know, we're not supposed to be fans of the Thunder by any means, but, you know, Oklahoma City's our home, and I, I'm so – just amazed by this franchise and I still can't believe that we get to live, live in the same city as an NBA team. So I just, I'm always going to appreciate what he did, even if it is just for a year. I'd love to see him on the team next year, but if not, then that that's that. And I hope that they have something great in place for it. So for you personally, this is not a prediction or anything, just for you personally, are you on team tank, especially with your guy, Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma state or do you want the Thunder to continue uh, to fight for a playoff spot and to be a playoff team, even if that means being a four through six seed and never really uh, being in the conversation for a title? Yeah, you know, I, I totally get that. And I think a lot of people were so confused when I said that I was never on board with the whole tanking thing because, I, I don't know, I feel like you lose so much – fan confidence when you try to do the whole tanking thing and I get the outcome of it I get how beneficial that can be for the future of your franchise but at the same time I'm just I don't know I've never been on board with the whole let's just have a mediocre season because who wants to join a team that decided in the locker room we'll just you know go out there and play basketball and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but we'll be good next year I don't know. I just, I feel like that is such like a disrespect almost to the league and to these guys' careers. Because if you have someone new coming in, it's their first year in the NBA and they're on a crappy team who just decides to tank, then it's almost like a slap in the face. And so I've never been on the board or I've never been on board with the team wanting to tank to get that draft spot. And I don't know. I just, that whole thing the Warriors did this season, I know they had to deal with some really unfortunate uh, injuries and that really sucks, but it's just, it's such a weird situation. And obviously I would love to see Kate Cunningham uh, either come to the Thunder or one day come to the Thunder just because yeah, go Pokes. But it's a, it's a weird situation. I think what they did this year was pretty phenomenal because everyone expected them to tank and then they really surprised people and then they, ended up exceeding all of our expectations and making a run. And so if they want to do that again, great. Um, if they decide to tank, I guess I would understand because you really do want to build up a solid foundation for the future of your franchise. And sometimes it takes some dirty work to do it. But at the same time, I hate the idea of having just an atrocious season so you can have a really good one the next year. You know, management, uh, you know, Presti, the ownership group, they're in such a hard position because – from a basketball standpoint, from a team construction standpoint, with all the picks you have, tanking might be the best route to get you that championship. But being a small market, we've seen in Oklahoma what it's done for this state and especially Oklahoma City. And they found the way. Now, they got, they got Kevin Durant. They got Russ. They got Harden. That's a, that's a good start. But they found a way to build this uh, to, into a global brand. Oklahoma City is a global brand. Yeah. How crazy is that? And to purposely tank you you just fear that you're going to lose that uh, and fans will lose interest and then will they ever come back in a state that's been predominantly run by football you're finally cracking into that and, and getting fans to be basketball fans more so than just thunder fans if you tank do you lose all of that hard work that you've put in to not only grow this state financially but as a as a sports city more than just looking at the Sooners and Cowboys and football but actually truly embracing what the NBA is and what basketball is yeah, and I might be a psycho for saying this, but there's got to be a better way. Like, there's got to be a better way to pave the path to a super successful franchise than having a really crummy season and losing all of that support from, you know, like you said, like global, just different countries. You'll see people wearing Russell Westbrook jerseys, and I know he's not here anymore, but, you know, he was, and so that's just – that's such a big thing for Oklahoma City. You put them on the radar and people talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder because of the great things they do. You barely heard anything about the Warriors and they were three-time reigning champions. Like you, you just didn't hear about them this year. It took one year to just completely wipe them off the radar. And you know, 
I feel like the Warriors, they can survive that because they're San Francisco. Oklahoma City cannot survive something like that. And the last thing on earth I think has been on people's minds is, you know, is the Thunder always going to be here? Like, is someone ever going to bomb out? Like, are they ever going to lose? Or is Oklahoma City ever going to lose the Thunder? That would just be a nightmare. And so, you know, I, I love college football. Don't get me wrong. Big, big Cowboy football fan. But the, the whole point of having an NBA team in this city is just, you know, it's to create so much awareness to our city and to our community. And it goes so far beyond basketball, too. And, you know, from a marketing standpoint, you know, it really helps the businesses around here and like the economics of the city, you know, it's just, it's so much more than that. And so I know I'm getting like way off the beaten path right now, but I just, I don't think having a horrible season where you win maybe like 25, 27 games is the right call. Yeah, and I think that people have struggled to embrace the fact that there is a different way. Uh, the different way is also risky, though. I mean, there's no surefire thing that if you tank, you're going to draft the next Shea or draft someone better than Shea. Just like right. there's no certain thing that if you trade for Bradley Beal, he's going to resign. So I exactly. think that people are more comfortable drafting somebody because you do get them for a lot longer. But in reality, the safer thing in the sense of the here and now would be to trade for Bradley Beal, give up five picks, and let's see if him, Chris Paul, Shea, however it would work out, let's see if they can perform and win a championship. There is another way besides tanking, but within the NBA and with their fan base, I don't think people are comfortable with that other way, especially here in Oklahoma City where we see grabbing at straws just hasn't really worked so far. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with it. Like, <laughs> I started covering this team three years ago. So, obviously, I've, you know, had to cut off my fandom from it. But guess what? I still live here. And so, I still love the fact that Oklahoma City is known for the Thunder. Like, I, I think that's so great. And when I tell my friends who live in Los Angeles, New York, I have friends who live in Chicago. I even have a friend who lives in Honolulu, Hawaii. And, you know, we're on the radar still because of this NBA franchise. And, I mean, there's obviously other great aspects about Oklahoma City, but – there's got to be another way, you know, just don't, don't wipe the slate clean. I, I hate that. I think it's so like, it's almost like a desperate attempt. And I hope I'm not like getting in trouble for saying this. I just think it's so pathetic, like to just, I don't know, tank and bring embarrassment to Oklahoma city, just so hopefully you can be successful in the future. I just, I hate that. I think that's a last resort. I think it is just, a pathetic attempt and I I highly doubt Sam Presti has that on his mind right now just because he's been able to pull off some oh my gosh just some magic tricks here and there and so there's got to be another way and I really I would love to see Chris Paul stay kind of circling it back around to that I'd love to see Chris Paul stay make another run with the Thunder and just do something phenomenal next season so this has been awesome but before you get out of here I've got to have one more Shea segment with you how yeah. good can Shea be how good can he be? What are you going to put his ceiling at? Top 10 player, top 15 player, way lower than that. Where are you at with Shea? I think he could be a top 10 player. I really do. Because I think he, we all saw Russell Westbrook come to Oklahoma City when he was super young. He was about the same age as Shea. And, you know, he it took him a couple of years to kind of, you know, break the barriers and get into people's heads and to make top stories on ESPN the next morning. You know, it took him a couple of years, but now look at him. And I know that people have had their doubts about Russ and people get super uh, infuriated with his style of basketball. And just sometimes he makes super stupid decisions on where he decides to pull up and shoot from. But guess what? He's still Russell Westbrook. He still has the reputation even if he never gets a ring, he's going to have a legacy in this league for, oh my gosh, just stretching way far and beyond. And so Shea Gilders Alexander just signed a shoe deal with Converse in his second year of the NBA. He was already, you know, starting for the Clippers towards the end of the season, um, last season, and then he just became a star here in Oklahoma City. He's only like 21 years old. And so his ceiling is just going up and up and up. And it is fascinating to see it because I think. That's exactly what he's going to do. He's just going to keep going up. There's no, there's no limit for this guy right now. And he just continues to improve. I think he had maybe one little drop off during the season back in like January where he didn't really, you didn't really see the Shea Gilbs Alexander that Thunder fans have come to know. And I think it was only maybe like a one week, two week span, but then he was back at it. 
And so every player is going to have that. I think he has such a bright future in this league. I mean, God forbid he doesn't get hurt or anything, knock on wood. But you just – I don't know. I just have a lot of confidence in what he can do for Oklahoma City, what he can do for the NBA. I think he's becoming one of those rising stars that people are excited to see excel. And even if you're not a Thunder fan, you have to have a lot of respect for his game because, you know, he's not your typical – two-man or even when he plays point guard you know he's not your typical one he has a lot of length he has a lot of craftiness a lot of skill and I, I really just think that he can be a top 10 player one day if I mean I, I don't think I'd ever put him up there with like Giannis and LeBron or Kawhi Leonard or anything like that but I mean I wouldn't even put Russell up there I think Russell can be a top 10 player when he's on and then Shagos Alexander the older he gets, he's going to be unstoppable. And I really do think that his prime is coming soon. I mean, hopefully not because, you know, you don't want everyone his prime to like, I don't know, get off at 25 and then he ends up staying in the league till 35. But, you know, it, it's coming though. I really think he's going to impress this league and it's, it's already started. So I just, I have such high expectations for him and I think he's going to exceed those. Yeah. And with Shay, I've always said that he's so versatile and that helps him so much. I, I've said on this podcast, find me the guy that you don't think fits with Shea. So often when you're team building, you get that one star and then you say, oh, well, we can't trade for this guy. He doesn't fit. We can't draft for that guy. He doesn't fit. I think Shea can just fit with anyone you put around him. So that, that yeah. does give credence to the trade market whenever you're trying to go for that splash or drafting. You can always, always, always draft the best player available. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think Shea – one of the most unique things about him is that regardless of who's on the court with the Thunder, and I mean, I like I said, I never watch Clippers games, but regardless of who he plays with uh, on the Thunder squad, it's ridiculous. Like, he still outperforms, not like outperforms his teammates, but outperforms his opponent. I think he is just so good at what he does. I think he is a natural-born leader. You know, he's already communicating with Steven Adams, and he had such a great – cohesiveness with guys like um, Danilo Gallinari and even Nerlens Noel and Mike Muscala and just like everybody that would come out there, you know, he was able to just read with them and really vibe with them out on the court. And that's such an important thing to do when you're a young player, you have to have that natural born leadership or you're not going to go anywhere. And so I think Shea has that he's confident in himself. And even when he talks about himself, like sometimes I think the other people would kind of look at that and be like, okay, arrogant. But no, 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 he's not arrogant. Like, he is good at what he does, and he recognizes it. You don't want a player that's playing for your team to be super good, but then be like, no, nah, you know, I, I do what I can. I'm, I'm trying. He's out there like, no, I'm working my ass off. Sorry if I'm not allowed to say that. Um, but he just does a great, great job. And I I respect his game. I think he's going places. And, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very happy he's part of Oklahoma City. So one last question before we get out of here. While we're talking about team building in the future, I know you love him, Steven Adams. He's 27 years old. He'll be – this next season he'll be on an expiring contract. He's right on yeah. that cusp of what's he going to be when this team is ready to contend again. Are, and he's great. He's great for young point guards like Shea will be. What do you, where do you side on Steven Adams? Would you re-sign him if you're Sam Presti, or would you explore some trade market options? Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, I've always been the biggest Steven Adams fan just because I love the way he plays basketball. He does not care about the glamour. He just wants to play. And he has so much power when he's out there. You hear these guys that come in and play against Oklahoma City, and they're just like, oh my gosh, like I thought I was going to die because Steven Adams ran into me. Like, he is strong. And so I love his explosiveness under the rim. That's where he obviously is so good at and he's just good at his job. I love what he's able to bring to the table, but I will say, I think it would be a good idea to explore your options. I think Steven Adams, he's been here in Oklahoma city, his entire career. Good for him. He's done exactly what's been asked of him. However, you know, for the past two, three years, he's been battling with some, with some injuries. You know, he, he has a lot of body. He's a big, big dude. You know, he's going to be dealing with those probably for the rest of his career. Obviously, always having knee problems. He has calf problems. It's, it's mainly in his legs, but that's just because he's getting beat up. He does all the dirty work under there, and guys will tell you that. Steven Adams is just this fierce dog who's not afraid to get run into. He's not afraid to get knocked over. And, you know, he takes a lot of 
he takes a lot of the heat from under the rim. So I really do think it would not be the worst idea in the world to explore and see what else you could get for him because I bet you could get something really great for Steven Adams. He's well-respected throughout the entire league. I think every team would be amped to have him. You know, they'd be pretty elated to have someone who is as strong and as agile as he is. And so, yeah, I think it wouldn't be the worst idea to explore and see what you get. If they end up resigning him, I think Thunder fans will still be so happy. They don't want to see their guy go. I think, you know, he's captured the hearts of Oklahoma City fans. And so it's just, it's awesome that the Thunder are able to have a guy like that and someone that people respect and admire and are excited uh, when they see him come off the bench and come in. I mean, obviously he's a starter, but if he ever goes to sit down, he comes back in, people are just like, yes, Steven's back. And so you want to have guys like that on the team for sure. And he's a great vet. He's a great leader. I think the rest of the Thunder people, uh, Thunder people, the Thunder players, they really admire him and look up to him and they seek out his mentorship. And so I think he's great, but it wouldn't be the worst idea to, you know, see what you get for him. And if it's not great, just resign him. I think he'd be happy to be here. He doesn't care where he is. He's just happy to be over here playing basketball. Madison, this was awesome. I really appreciate all of your time. Let them know where they can find your Twitter and all of the great work you do for the franchise. Oh, no, for sure. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me. Um, my Twitter is just my name, but I always have to spell it for people because it's, uh, it's a little weird. It's uh, at M-A-D-Y-S-S-O-N-M-O-R-R-I-S, just my name, Madison Morris. And pretty much all of my work is on thefranchiseok.com. And I usually just write, you know, different stuff about practice. I write a couple of uh, highlight stories of the players. And I even write some stuff that's not about Thunder basketball. I, you know, I cover stuff for OSU as well. So any Cowboy fans out there, if you need something to read, that's always great. And then, yeah, just I love interaction on Twitter. And that's pretty much where you can get in touch with me. Awesome. Again, thank you for your time. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.